0: Hi guys, Kate here. And Jonah. Do you ever think to yourself, man, I love the stories I hear every week on CNA Newsroom, but sometimes I wish I knew more about what's happening in the church on a daily basis. It's okay if you have thought that. You won't hurt our feelings.
1: Well, Catholic News Agency now offers a daily audio news update made especially for your smart speaker. It's called Catholic News and it's available right now on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. You can listen every day on your favorite podcast app, too, if that's how you roll.
0: Okay, here's how it works.
1: On Google Home, all you have to do is walk up to your speaker and say, Hey Google, play Catholic News.
0: Here's the latest news. If you have an Alexa, it's pretty much the same. Just say, Alexa, open Catholic News.
2: Welcome back to the latest news from Catholic News Agency.
0: You can also search for Catholic News in the Alexa Skills Store, Enable the skill on your app, and then ask Alexa to play your flash briefing. Check out our show notes for more information.
1: And now, enjoy this week's episode of CNA Newsroom. For Rebecca Byberg, a Catholic in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, July 16th was a weird day.
2: It was a very odd day. I remember going to Mass that morning, and they didn't open our church right on time. We had 11 a.m. Mass that day, and the doors didn't open until 10.30, so all the faithful were outside, like, what's going on? You know, are we allowed to have the Latin Mass?
1: Earlier that day, Pope Francis had issued a new set of norms, regulating Masses celebrated in the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, commonly called the traditional Latin Mass. The changes went into effect immediately. Rebecca has attended the traditional Latin Mass for the past several years. She believes it's the best way for her to practice her Catholic faith. So, when she heard a few weeks earlier that something related to the traditional Latin Mass may be in the works at the Vatican, she paid attention, and she says she began to prepare herself, both mentally and spiritually. When the Vatican published the rumored document on July 16th, Rebecca read it herself.
2: I actually didn't look at any commentary first I, I, I read it I read it for myself and looked into it and I was I was definitely shocked but upon reading it quickly I realized that um, it was really a wait and see there was so much about the mode appropriate that's unprecedented um, that it's going to take time for our bishops um, and even for the Vatican to, to really kind of clarify the document. I know it's going to present a lot of challenges A lot of people were very upset.
1: Pope Francis issued the norms under the title Tradiciones Custodes, or Guardians of the Tradition. The document presents significant changes to the 2007 norms established by his predecessor, Benedict XVI, who acknowledged the right of all priests to say the Mass using the Roman Missal of
3: 1962. It's a very broad and sweeping document, which the Pope has personally authorized.
1: This is Luke Coppin, Europe editor for Catholic News Agency, and in that role he oversees the Rome Bureau. He said one of the biggest shifts that the new norms present is placing the bishop in charge of the liturgy within his
3: respective diocese. He's the responsible person for it, and it emphasised that he's now the person responsible for authorising traditional Latin masses in his diocese, and that is the big shift from the previous uh, way uh, under... Introduced under Pope Benedict XVI, so in his documents some more on pontificum, he said that every priest in the world has a right to celebrate according to this form of the mass, and they don't need to seek permission. So there's a major change here.
1: Luke said many bishops aren't entirely clear on what they can and can't do with this new responsibility.
3: They're clearly taking time to sort of read this document carefully and work out what it is they're being asked to do. And they're responding to it in different ways at the moment, which creates a, a certain confusion. And I don't see that confusion being cleared up anytime soon it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was an avalanche of inquiries at the vatican right now from bishops around the world saying what does the pope mean when he says this what does the pope mean when he says that i'm thinking of things such as the pope says that traditional latin masses can no longer be celebrated in parochial churches i think that's the phrase that he uses i think there'll be quite a lot of requests for an official clarification of what that does and doesn't mean but that's just one example. There are many other statements that people are debating heavily online and uh, you know, privately. This has opened all sorts of questions that weren't there before.
1: Pope Francis acknowledges in the document itself that the new norms are a big step that will affect a lot
3: of people. But he says that it's it's very necessary in his view um, because he believes that the the freedoms that were granted by St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI to celebrate the traditional Latin masses were abused by certain people who began to separate themselves from the church, as, as we know it, as Catholics know it. And to, he says, to sort of adopt this idea that they, that they are the true church in opposition to the church as we know it in everyday life. And he said that this is such a dangerous development that he has to take this step of restricting the traditional Latin masses around the world. And that's his his primary motivation for doing it, this sort of sense that the church is unity is threatened uh, and that as Pope, as the person who's responsible for the unity of the Catholic Church, he has, he's compelled to take this step. It only applies, of course, to the, the Latin Rite Catholic Church. So it doesn't apply to those Eastern Catholic churches which are in communion with the Pope but celebrate using a different liturgy. So not every Catholic in the world is affected by this by any means.
1: It's unclear how many Catholics around the world primarily attend the traditional Latin Mass.
3: But there are some indicators from different countries around the world. For example, I read that in France, about 4% of the practicing Catholic population would attend a traditional Latin Mass in France. And France is known to be one of the world's centers of Catholic traditionalism. So presumably many other countries are below that level, below the 4% level among practicing Catholics. I think it's clear that we're talking about a, a A small minority of of the world's entire Catholic population, which is obviously over a billion people. Um, However, they are influential and they include significant theologians, um, people that influence others in the church. So they can by no means be dismissed purely because they're few in number.
1: By the time we publish this episode, a little over two weeks will have passed since Pope Francis issued these norms on the traditional Latin Mass, meaning it's still pretty new. Catholics around the world are still trying to navigate how the changes will affect their observance of the faith. This week on the podcast, we talk with a handful of Catholics in the United States about their reactions to the motu proprio and their hopes for traditional liturgies going forward. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. Rebecca regularly attends a parish run by the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, or FSSP. The FSSP is a society of apostolic life dedicated to forming and sanctifying priests using the traditional liturgy and providing care of souls and pastoral activities. She said masses have not stopped at her parish in the weeks since the Pope released the motu proprio.
2: But it was, it was just this, this time of confusion. Right away for myself, I said, I need to pray about this. It's sad, but it's it's not going to affect my spiritual life because the Latin Mass has brought so many riches into my life, and my interior life is not changed by this i can still I can still wake up and make a morning offering. I can still attend mass. it may not be Latin mass i mean it has mostly been it pretty much usually is. Um, I can still pray the rosary every day. I can still pray the divine office. I can still do all of these things. I can still do my meditation every day. And, and none of that is going to be changed with the mot proprio.
1: Rebecca first became aware of the traditional Latin Mass back in 2005. At the time, she loved it, and it would have been her preference. But she was only 15 at the time, and her parents weren't practicing Catholics. The traditional Latin Mass, really any Mass, wasn't very accessible for her.
2: So as soon as I was able to attend, I took the opportunity, and it's been the best way to practice the Catholic faith, um, in my opinion.
1: Rebecca does attend a Novus Ordo Mass, or the ordinary form of the Mass, from time to time, but she personally prefers the traditional Latin Mass for several reasons, one being the language. She believes Latin adds a richness to the Mass, but she says she understands the traditional Latin Mass isn't for everyone.
2: Some of the holiest people I know exclusively attend the Novus Ordo. Some have attended the Latin Mass and been like, eh, not for me. I am never, I am never going to criticize someone for their path to get to heaven. Now, for me, I am a weak Catholic. I am a huge sinner. I am first in line for confession some days. And honestly, I think it's my weakness that makes it so I don't want to only go to the Novus Ordo. Like, I need that structure. And, and I would hate, I would hate for any other weak Catholics like myself to not be able to receive the sacraments in the way that helps them get to heaven.
1: Rebecca says she understands where the Pope is coming from with his concerns about some members within the traditional Catholic community. But she said, in her experience at least, those who are fostering divisions are the minority.
2: Most people that attend the Latin Mass that I know are accepting of Vatican II and really don't have anything, you know, know, really negative to say about our Holy Father. Um, However, there are some people that do, and I think those words sometimes can come out a bit stronger and really be the ones that are heard the most. A lot of people are going about day-to-day living very holy lives and just not saying anything because they're going to Mass, they're praying, they're doing what they need to do to help get them and their families to heaven, and they're not they're not saying anything it's just those really loud voices that i think are coming off you know a bit a bit stronger and that's what people are hearing
1: despite the uncertainty rebecca is feeling at this time she says she is certain that god will bring good from this experience
2: i think um you know we can be sad and we should be sad we can be angry when it's justified i'm fully confident that that we are all going to grow in holiness from this our church will be purified it will be it will be made better And the people that have a say in what can be, because I'm a lay person, I really don't have a say in any of this, that I can pray for those that actually can do something about this, um, and just to help foster, to help foster unity. You know, more rosaries, more memoraries, more novenas, (laughs) that is not a bad thing.
1: Jessica Harvey and her family attend a traditional Latin Mass at St. Rita's Parish in Alexandria, Virginia, outside Washington, D.C. St. Rita's is a large parish and offers both the Novus Ordo and the traditional Latin Mass every Sunday. Jessica, who, like most people, grew up going to the Novus Ordo, said St. Rita's was one of the first parishes that her family found where it felt like the two rites of the Mass were seamless, And that the people who attended one or the other got along really well.
0: You see people coming out of one Mass. Oh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Oh, you got the earlier Mass? I'm going to go to this. It's not a big deal. St. Rita's was the first one where I really felt like we were part of the parish. And where there were other activities besides the Mass that my kids could be part of.
1: Jessica said she and her husband have always tried to help their kids understand what's going on at Mass, even when they were little.
0: I read along with the prayers And then when there's a change or when something happens, then I'll, I whisper like, oh, this is the consecration, Jesus is coming. (laughs) You know, when the priest lifts up the host, I say, look, that's Jesus.
1: Jessica said her kids, the oldest of whom is 11, already prefer the Latin Mass when given a choice.
0: I think there's something about the beauty of the Mass, of this particular Mass, that that really grabs their attention in a very unique way, that... I don't always understand. And it's not a theological thing, all the theologians can discuss whatever they want to in Rome or the Vatican or wherever, but I see what this does for my own kids. If the kids are seeing the beauty of this and this is helping their relationship with God, this is the one that we're going to cultivate, because this is going to help them be closer to God.
1: Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington has said, that he intends to allow the traditional Latin Mass to continue to be celebrated in his diocese, as the moda proprio allows. But St. Rita's is a parish church, so technically, under the letter of the law of the moda proprio, the traditional Latin Mass is not to be celebrated there anymore. Jessica says there's still a lot of uncertainty about what will ultimately happen, and whether she and her family will be able to continue to attend the traditional Latin Mass.
0: No idea. Well, I mean, they're going to make us go to a different building for Mass. So that means that if we decide to continue going to the traditional mass, we will have to be isolated from the rest of our fellow parishioners. Or will we be even considered fellow parishioners? Is it going to be like a mission church? You know, I don't know.
1: With the moda proprio coming into force, Jessica says she worries about the effect it will have on her children.
0: I'm really disappointed. I'm disappointed mostly for my kids, but they, we have to uproot them and we have to find a different home for them, you know, (laughs) for me, this is a real, this is a real sadness. I'm not saying my kids are holier than any of the other kids or that I just know what it's doing for them. And as a mom, what what else is there? I have to get them to heaven. This tool makes it super much easier. So that's what I'm going
1: to use. Speaking, of course, only for her parish, Jessica says she's unsure what the disunity is that Pope Francis is talking about.
0: How would the Pope, I would love to know, how would the Pope explain to my kids why we couldn't have Mass in the church?
1: After the break, more reactions to the Pope's proprio. Stay with us. I'm Kevin Jones, a longtime journalist with Catholic News Agency. If you enjoy hearing about the big stories, or about the unknown people who played a role in them, you should subscribe to CNA Newsroom. Subscribing is easy and free on any podcast app. Just open whatever podcast app on your phone, type CNA Newsroom into the search bar, and hit the subscribe button. If you don't have a podcast app on your phone already, you can use Stitcher, Spotify, overcast or just about any podcast app available on your app store and if you like listening to cna newsroom leave us a rating and a review those help other potential listeners find our show and now back to the episode Erin hansen is also a mom and she lives in phoenix arizona Like Rebecca, Erin and her family attend a parish run by the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, or FSSP. Erin says she was initially drawn in by the beauty and reverence she found in the traditional Latin Mass.
4: I believe that the traditional Latin Mass is as close as we come to heaven on earth. I'm so impressed with the reverence, just the inherent reverence of the Mass. Everything about it points to the reality of Christ's presence in the Eucharist, the Sacred languages spoken, the sacred music, the ancient prayers, the silence, it all keeps me so focused on the sacrifice happening on the altar.
1: The Bishop of Phoenix, Thomas Olmsted, has said that parishes can continue to offer the traditional Latin Mass. Erin says, in her view, she doesn't see the division within the church that Pope Francis is talking about.
4: I don't understand his reasoning. I don't understand the Pope's hostility towards the traditional Latin Mass. Especially considering actual scandals and abuses going on in our church and divisions in in other ways. So the fact that he came down so hard on this tiny minority of Catholics who are trying to live their faith as purely as possible, it's pretty upsetting. There are seven rites in the Catholic Church, and nobody's accusing the existence of these other rites as causing division. I have friends who attend the Byzantine churches. There's no division between us. Their choice is to go to the Byzantine Divine Liturgy, and mine is to go to the traditional Latin Mass, and we also know we're both Catholics.
1: Erin, like many others, has been left with more questions than answers.
4: Why is it a problem for the traditional Latin Masses to be celebrated in a diocesan church? That, he doesn't explain his reasoning behind that. I mean, there's so many questions that have come up from the mot proprio that I think is just confusing and frustrating. And I hope he will clarify it. I hope the Pope notices that while so many churches are nearly empty, the Latin masses are overflowing with all ages and all cultures and people who are deepening their faith as they attend the mass that made many centuries of saints.
1: Gregory de Pippo grew up Catholic in the 1970s. He says the Novus Ordo parish he attended as a child never made much of an effort to explain what was going on in the Mass and the liturgy. His mother would tell him about the old liturgy in Latin. She missed it dearly.
5: And so partly also because of things that she had said to me about how beautiful it was, I I started investigating it from, from that point of view. Um, looking through her old missal and, and finding the things that I discovered in it. Very, very intriguing and interesting.
1: But Gregory didn't actually attend a traditional Latin Mass until many years later, when he lived in Rome. It was the first place he'd ever lived that offered the traditional Latin Mass regularly.
5: My first impression of it was more than anything else just about the music. It was pretty much the only Mass that you could go to where there was Gloria Chant. And, and I just sort of felt immediately that that really was the sort of most beautiful expression of, of liturgical music.
1: Gregory was hooked. Today, he's the editor of a website called The New Liturgical Movement, which aims to promote a greater knowledge of the fullness of the Catholic liturgical tradition. His work puts him in touch with hundreds of people across the world, He says his experience with the beauty of the traditional Latin Mass is not unique.
5: The constant theme is that their encounter with it, however it comes about, always impresses upon them that, you know, that this is a very, very beautiful and very reverent way of praying.
1: When the Vatican issued the motu proprio regulating the traditional Latin Mass, Gregory was understandably upset. He says most of his readers had a reaction he can only characterize as dismay.
5: First of all, in the possibility that they may no longer be able to attend the traditional mass uh, regularly or as often as they have have been wont to attend it, but also from a sense that they have been unfairly marked for the attitudes of a few, but attitudes which they themselves do not share. And by that, I mean, you know, the accusation that there is among the persons devoted to the traditional liturgy, widespread rejection of Vatican II as a legitimate council, and widespread rejection of the authority of the papacy, widespread rejection of the validity of the post-conciliar reform of the liturgy.
1: Gregory said that, honestly, that hasn't been his experience.
5: In every social group, whether it be defined by religion or politics or or ethnicity, certainly, of course, you can always find people who voice extreme opinions, people who voice ill-informed opinions. In my experience and the experience of friends and colleagues of mine, uh, no, that is not the case. Um, That the people, they love the traditional liturgy because they feel very strongly that it is what unites them most effectively to the Church as a whole, to its past, as well as to its present.
1: In his experience, Gregory's found that those who love the traditional liturgy love it because they love the Church, because it unites them to the Church, and to the saints in particular.
5: If you think of a saint that you admire and have a devotion to, unless they died fairly recently, like Jean-Paul II, this is, when you go to the Tridentine Mass, you are seeing the liturgy that that saint knew. And so I would think it's very important for people to consider what it is about this liturgy that helped to foster the piety of somebody like Therese of uh, Avila or Philip Neri, just to to choose two (laughs) very random examples. My hope is above all that the Holy Father and the other bishops of the Catholic Church will listen very, very carefully to what the faithful who are most affected by this are saying and to take seriously and to consider as honest Their protestations, that they love the traditional liturgy because they love the church, and that they love the traditional liturgy because it unites them to the church.
1: Elizabeth Sisk is a nurse from Raleigh, North Carolina. Growing up, she and her family attended the Novus Ordo Mass.
6: I laughed because I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. About two years ago uh, was the journey of my just really draw to tradition and to the extraordinary form of the Mass.
1: Elizabeth said she likes that expressions of piety, such as failing, seem to be encouraged more often at the traditional Latin Mass.
6: When I'm at the altar rail and I'm kneeling there and I'm waiting for the priest to come and give me communion, I just felt utter humility and just so incredibly loved that Jesus was coming to me as I knelt there. Um, And that's actually the part of the Latin Mass that I most look forward to, probably more than anything else.
1: Elizabeth attends both the ordinary and extraordinary forms of the Mass.
6: In fact, I attend the Novus Ordo Mass more often, but I definitely look forward to the opportunities that I have to attend um, the extraordinary form of the Mass
1: Even though Elizabeth's bishop hasn't yet issued any restrictions on the Latin Mass, it makes her sad that it may soon be more difficult for her to attend the form of the Mass that she loves.
6: I find it sad because my experience has been most people that I encounter that attend the Latin Mass just love the Catholic Church. They love to be Catholic, and they try to live it out in every aspect of their life, even when it's really hard.
1: She said she occasionally sees people with divisive attitudes online, but she tries not to let that affect her own practice of the faith.
6: Not everyone that attends a Latin Mass is a saint. I'll put it that way. And uh, certainly not everyone that attends the Novus Ordo Mass is a saint either. And I think what's hard is that there is a small percentage of people that I think the Pope is responding to. Whereas in my personal experience, I don't have people in my life that attend the Latin Mass that are divisive. So uh, I think that while this letter was in response to those who are divisive, the issue is not the mass. The issue is the hearts of the people. I would just encourage people to just try it and just sincerely Go with an open heart, but don't go with any preconceived notions that this is going to be the most life-changing experience. It's more just this inner peace, and it really does change even your daily life. Um, of course, the Mass is life-changing. Uh, so I would just encourage people to, you know, if they're interested, to just try.
1: Here again is CNA's Europe editor, Luke Coppin.
3: It's impossible to know what long-term future is for the traditionalist movement in the Catholic Church because it depends on so many factors that are unknown at the moment. The main one being the policies of future popes uh, for the rest of this century. The short-term impact, obviously, is clearly is that it's upset people and um, shaken them. I think that's very clear from from what people, traditionalists around the world are saying. I'm interested to know what kind of organisational response they'll be taking, uh, whether there'll be a sort of an international response uniting traditionalists around the world, or whether it will be country by country as... The traditionalist movement has typically been, with some exceptions, I could see a sort of an international movement growing to sort of preserve this form of the mass against the new motto proprio. And that's one possible, perhaps unintended outcome of it.
1: CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, Jonah Macione. I produce and edit this show with the help of our executive producer, Kate Oliveira. A special thanks this week to our colleague Luke Coppen, to Rebecca, Jessica, Aaron, Gregory, and Elizabeth for sharing their experience of the traditional Latin Mass with us. See you next week.